When we come to the word globalization, too often we tend to focus on the big countries. For example, China, the United States of America, of course, some major countries in Europe. But meanwhile, when it comes to the word globalized internationalism, it's one thing that we need to understand that every single matter happens or every single incident takes place today actually have direct impact on each one of us. It doesn't matter which country we're living in today, but when we talk about democracy, talk about social justice, and also we're talking about how to protect and also preserve the value of human equality, everyone has a voice. But meanwhile, how much do you know about the country called Haiti? What's happening today in Haiti is surely so devastating. That's why in this episode, we need to address those questions. And did you know that today, Haiti now has around 200 gang armed with military-grade weapons? And again, citizens and also the people living in Haiti today are living in this devastation. Not only they couldn't understand what is happening to the country, and what about the government role in the midst of the chaos? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's my great honor to invite our distinguished speaker, which is Mr. Jeffrey. Again, Mr. Jeffrey is an Ottawa-based author, radio host, and a and social justice activist who publishes in English, in French, on his blog. Again, Mr. Jeffrey often tweets a uh, hashtag Black Nationhood Matter. He continually calls on Canada to stop inter interfering in the governance of his native Haiti. Well, Mr. Jeffrey, and welcome to The Missing Piece. Thanks for inviting me, Will. Well, again, Mr. Jeffrey, I mean, again, everyone knows you as an author, as a radio host, and of course that you are a native Haitian. As we mentioned before, I want us to understand what is actually happening in Haiti today, especially related to this around gang members or even 200 gangs that are armed with military grade. I think before we go there, Help us with better understanding. How should we understand the social instability and also this political uncertainty in this country today? Well, the short answer is that Haiti is an occupied territory currently. Um, uh, Haiti has been occupied by U.S. intervention in 2004 when something called the Ottawa Initiative on Haiti was implemented. Mm -hmm. It was called the Ottawa Initiative on Haiti because in the city where I live, in the capital of Canada, there is a government resort where in uh, on two days, January 31st and February 1st, 2003, representatives of the United States, Canada, France, um, uh, the OAS, met there was no haitian um official mm. at that meeting and those men and women who met decided that they were going to overthrow the government of haiti mm. uh, and put in place a u.s friendly uh, regime mm. it is that regime that has been in power from 2004 to the present with mm. you know sham elections organized every now and then but essentially they undo what the haitian people have themselves mm. done through 
elections, mm -hmm. fair elections that were organized in 1990 and 2000. The president that they overthrew, his name is Jean-Bertrand Aristide. Mm -hmm. uh, to kidnap him, it was U.S. troops that entered his house while Canadian troops were securing the airport and they uh, put him in exile in Africa. Hmm. He had spent 20 hours in the air. They didn't know where they were going to dump him. And at the time, the French had a dictatorship in the Central African Republic. The name of the dictator at the time, uh, the time was Jean-François Bossissé, and that's where they uh, dumped President Aristide. He was eventually rescued by the actions of activists such as Danny Glover, uh, uh, Congresswoman Maxine Waters. Uh, basically, the black world understood that the timing of that coup in 2004 had something very insidious and racist about it mm -hmm. because Haiti was about to celebrate the 200th anniversary of the end of racial slavery in the Americas. Mm. And so, uh, and the president who was kidnapped, Jean-Bertrand Aristide, uh, had issued a request for reparations and restitution from the French mm. uh, because the French had collected at ransom, uh, the equivalent today of $115 billion from the Haitian population between 1825 and 1947. And President Aristide, like most educated folks, understand that you cannot develop a country that is constantly being ransomed by its former colonizer and that we need to start on new ground. Instead of negotiating a peaceful reparation and restitution with the Haitian people, the French called upon their cousins in Canada and in the United States, and they kidnapped the president of Haiti and uh, dumped him in Africa. Eventually, he found exile uh, through his friendship with uh, President Thabo Mbeki of South Africa at mm. the time. And the Mandela family welcomed him as well in South Africa. And that's where he spent uh, uh, the years in exile up to 2011. And so the United States has been governing Haiti through proxies since 2004. The first um, armed forces that were in Haiti were uh, from the United States, like I said, Canada, Chile. They're the ones who conducted the coup. Of course, they used Haitian paramilitaries that they were mm. equipping in the Dominican Republic to enter the country. But eventually, when they realized that those paramilitaries could not conduct the coup themselves, it was U.S. soldiers, white soldiers, which we do not have in Haiti, mm -hmm. who entered the residence of the president and kidnapped him. And so then they went to the United Nations to ask for U.N. troops to occupy the country to pacify the reason why they knew they had to do that was that the president they overthrew was a popular president. Mm. It wasn't, you know, like any dictator that, you know, you just kidnapped him and everybody go to right. uh, business as usual. So they sent those UN troops in the neighborhoods, the poor neighborhoods, okay, where there was lots of support for President Aristide. Because it's obvious that an impoverished country 
any president who's going to invest in uh, increasing the minimum wage, uh, building basic infrastructure like ports, uh, hospitals, universities, uh, uh, schools, is going to be popular. And that's why President Ayoussef was popular. When he was leading Haiti, 16% of the national budget was invested in healthcare. Mm. Okay? And you look at the difference when the U.S. subservient government is in power, now it's less than 3% of mm. the budget that goes into healthcare. Okay? So, but of course, uh, American business is happy with this government. Uh, okay? Because, you know, they neglect the population and they make the environment uh, very nice for uh, U.S. sweatshops, uh, you know, multinational sweatshops. They exploit the native population. And then when things go bad, they can always say it's bad governance. You had bad leaders. But those bad leaders were not selected by the Haitian people. They That's were right. selected by the Americans. And so the gangs that you see today is something that is completely manufactured by the United States mm -hmm. because the UN troops had to leave Haiti in 2017 in disarray after 13 years of killing Haitians in the uh, impoverished neighborhoods in order to bring down the popularity of Jean-Bertrand Aristide, you know, basically killing his base. And then they introduced cholera into the country. Okay, because they did not properly uh, uh, screen uh, uh, some of the UN troops that were coming in, and they introduced cholera into the country, something that we did not have. Okay, uh, and that killed over fifty thousand Haitians uh, by studies conducted by the UN itself. Okay, and over a million were contaminated by cholera. So those UN troops left uh, in in disarray and disgrace. And the Haitians went to the courts in New York trying to sue the UN. And of course, what they did is said that, well, you cannot sue the UN, they have immunity, etc. Meanwhile, mm. all of these Haitians who died uh, still haven't found a cent in reparation. And so in order to replace the presence of the UN, the United States armed gangs in Haiti. Now, we don't use the term gang among uh, Haitians. We call them paramilitaries. Mm. Because, for instance, one of the main uh, people that they talk about, his name is uh, Jimmy Cherizier. He's a, mm. a, a former police officer. Uh, and this guy used to parade around with a U.S. flag on his chest because clearly his connections is with the United States. And there's a, a, an arrest warrant. Uh, on his name for the past three years, and they still haven't been able to arrest him. People who don't know Haiti might not understand what this means. Th this guy is operating in a very small area of Port-au-Prince. Um, if you've seen some of these images of what they're calling gangs in Haiti, a lot of these youth um, don't even have sandals, uh, uh, proper clothes to wear. Mm. And they're carrying weapons that are each worth $10,000. Mm. Obviously, they're not the ones running the operation. Okay? They're not the ones who have contacts to be ordering those weapons. By the way, 100% of them come from Florida. Mm. Okay? We do not manufacture weapons in the Caribbean. Not only in Haiti, nowhere in the Caribbean or, you know, do we manufacture weapons. All of these weapons are coming from the U.S. Mm. So, there's no way these young people, okay, who do not have resources 
even to clothe themselves properly mm. can be receiving regular okay weapons and ammunition mm. okay of course it's not a mystery because anyone who's been following the situation in haiti have seen that uh, you know since 2013 myself i've done some of the research uh there's a port called port lafito in haiti where these weapons have been regularly found uh in boxes pretending to be uh, uh food uh, sometimes even bibles okay uh and then under the bibles uh you know they, they carry weapons and the man who owns this port uh is um a, a well-known jewish uh man who actually doesn't even live in haiti he lives in florida his name is gilbert bijo mm -hmm. and his family uh is the richest in haiti and possibly in the caribbean okay billionaire mm. okay and he and his family they have regularly imported illegal weapons through port lafito and haitians have been documenting this like i said since 2013 uh, while the regime <clears throat> that was put in place by the united states uh, of michel martelly was very close to gilbert bijou uh and uh and and he was never questioned mm. and recently only uh on december 5th 2022 finally after years of pressure from the haitian community including from our organization solidarity quebec haiti canada uh managed to put uh on the list of people section because of their connections with gangs in haiti the name of gilbert bijou okay uh, 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 along with uh, a, a few others that I call the white warlords of mm. Haiti, because people don't realize that. They, they look mm. at Haiti and they see it's an impoverished nation uh, inhabited by, you know, people of African descent who had survived and, and revolted against racial slavery. But if you go look at the numbers, uh, you know, the, the economic factors, you will find that the richest man in Haiti is a white Jewish man. Like mm -hmm. I mentioned, Gilbert Bijou. The second richest one is another white man. The third richest, the fourth, the fifth. Okay, so how did this happen? It's because in Haiti we have a social economic apartheid that was established by the united states when they invaded haiti in 1915 mm. okay and so they they these people came from the middle east uh uh some of them from lebanon from syria from uh israel uh palestine and the united states put them in power in charge of the economics of haiti okay and they are the ones who have the sweatshops Okay, and a government like Jean Aristide's government, for instance, who insisted that you we are in the year two thousand, you cannot have black people working for you know slave wages, you know making uh, 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 underwear for Gap, for Walmart, uh, uh, and 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 you're not paying them uh, wages that you know would allow them to raise their families and so what they do whenever they have a government like president Aristide's government who raises the minimum wage they collect money among themselves and conduct a coup mm. but they don't conduct the coup on their own it's always with the cia mm. in 1991 and in 2004 it was the same scenario and so when we talk about 
the white warlords in Haiti, we cannot separate them from the government of the United States. And that's why it's looking like it's complicated what's happening in Haiti. Because what the governments are saying in public is completely different than what they're actually trying to do. Why do they look for a foreign intervention in Haiti because there are so-called gangs in Haiti? How many times have we heard that kind of analysis? Um, did we invade uh, uh, Colombia mm. when gangs of drug dealers took over Colombia? Did we invade Mexico when, you know, not only long time ago, but just recently, gangs were running cities like Mexico? Did we talk about invading France because Les Gilets Jaunes were burning cities in Paris and Marseille? This doesn't make any sense. The reason why they want to have foreign troops enter Haiti is to protect the white mafia families that are linked to the government of the United States. And so you have an explosive situation where the masses of black people in Haiti are revolting. Mm. And they want to keep the system. And that system cannot survive any more than it could survive uh, 200 years ago when 20,000 whites were keeping 450,000 Africans enslaved on the island. Mm. Okay, It cannot. And the only reason why those 20,000 whites kept 450,000 Africans enslaved is because they could count on the armies of France, Britain, the United States, and even the Germans went on a regular basis in the Caribbean to reinforce the racial slavery system. Mm. And so people need to understand when we're talking in 2023, the language that we are using, you know, uh, the responsibility to protect, for instance, the, the, you know, the, this doctrine that they talk about, all of these words mean nothing because the reality is that the, the folks who are talking about, you know, the fragility, global fragility act. Okay. They only apply these things against nations that are non-white. Mm. Okay. Mm. And it's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence that the richest people in Haiti are white. Mm. It's not a coincidence that the coalition of countries in the UN who are clamoring for the invasion of Haiti are dominated by white people. Mm. It's not a coincidence that President Aristide spent the years of exile in South Africa. When dictators who are thieves, okay, plunder countries, whether in Africa or in Latin America, they don't go to Africa. Mm. They go to Europe. Okay, and they spend their money in the European economy. President Aristide, by the way, who was kidnapped by the Americans in 2004, Returned to Haiti in 2011. Guess what he's been doing since his return? Mm -hmm. The man that the United States, Canada, France, all of them said was no good for Haiti. Right. Well, he said while he was in South Africa after the earthquake that he wants to go back to invest in education. Mm -hmm. And at the time, there were officials in the Canadian government and others who said, no, do not let Aristide come back. He's going to create chaos. Because, of course, by that time, the government that they had established in, uh, in power, the government of Martelly, um, 
was uh, doing what they want, that is to make the country secure for foreign investment. Mm. Okay? But foreign investment that is never going to allow the Haitian population to improve its own uh, uh, quality of life. Okay? So it's like the Canadian mining companies go to Haiti and they're doing uh, uh, exploration of gold because there's plenty of gold on the island. Okay? But the population only sees that gold living. Mm. And nothing changes in their lives, just like it happens in countries like the Congo that is rich in culture and, uh, and in other countries. And you see what's happening in Africa today because the Africans are saying, the hell with this. Mm. We cannot be living on the continent that is the richest on the planet and be the poorest people of the earth. Mm. Okay, So people are revolting. And it is the same thing that's happening in Haiti. Now, what's going to happen is that Haitians uh, around the world are standing in solidarity mm. because President Aristide reopened the university when he came back. And every year since 2008, it's 300, 400 graduates who are doctors, lawyers, architects who are graduating from his university. So why is it someone who is investing in education and healthcare in a black country is the enemy of the so-called West? When those same Western countries are saying that they're the friends of Haiti. Why is it building a university in Paris is a good thing, but building a university in Port-au-Prince is a bad thing? Mm -hmm. And that you need to go and kidnap the president that's doing that. It's for the same reason that they kidnapped and murdered President, uh, uh, Prime Minister Patrice Lumumba of the, of the Congo or President Thomas Sankara, uh, uh, in, um, uh, Volta or uh, we change the name of uh, Burkina Faso. Mm. Okay, so what we're saying is there is a racial dimension in the crisis in Haiti that um, the mainstream media does everything possible to avoid. Okay, I grew up in Haiti. Okay, I can tell you, you go today from the uh, poorest neighborhood, which is Cité Soleil, to drive up to the richest neighborhood up uh, the mountains of Pétionville. And people will change skin color on you. Mm. Okay? As you go up, people become lighter. Mm. All the way up, as it happened to me <laughs> a few years back, I was having dinner with a Haitian friend who, who is white. Uh, and in, in the restaurant, the only black people were me and the people serving Okay, this is the reality that CNN, Radio Canada, BBC is hiding from the world. We have racial apartheid in Haiti that is sustained by white cousins in North America and Europe, and it has to end. It has to end. We cannot sustain a world in 2023 that is based on white supremacy. Foreign policy should not be dominated by white supremacy. Mm. And, 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 and in Haiti in particular, okay, it could, it could exist anywhere else, but not in Haiti, mm. because uh, some folks may not realize that. Uh, racial slavery did not end because of Wilberforce in England. Mm. Okay. Uh, Wilberforce, uh, 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 you know, realizing that uh, the British could not sustain racial slavery, uh, you know, caused a law to be passed in 2007, sorry, in 1807. Mm. 
But racial slavery was already abolished in Haiti in 1804 mm. because the Africans themselves liberated themselves. And so we need to understand that the history of the world as we know it has been falsified and we need to go look for the truth of it. And I agree, uh, like you were saying earlier, what's happening globally. Um, we need to understand that there are no uh, big countries or small countries or big nations. Human beings are all human beings, okay? Uh, the equality uh, of humans is not something that we are discovering now. Uh, we've always knew that uh, humans are equal. And, and the Haitian Revolution established that, okay? Mm. This is the only defeat of the army of Napoleon Bonaparte in the Americas, okay? When the enslaved Africans uh, defeated the army of France. Mr. Jeffrey, I have to say that what you just shared with us, again, as you mentioned before, it's rather enlightening. Because again, see, that's why... When we look at the mainstream media like CNN or like any other major media outlets, and they won't invite, again, a truth teller like you to share with us what is actually taking place in Haiti. And also one thing, again, many things I agree with you, but one thing that indeed resonates with our show and also with resonate with my thoughts for creating the show is we need to understand the history and also, we need to present the facts and the truths clearly and so that everyone can understand the bigger picture. Now, I want to ask you the next question. Again, I follow you on social media, and I want to go back to the hashtag that you often tweet. It's called hashtag Black Nationhood Matters. Help us with better understanding. What does that mean, Black Nationhood Matters? Because we know at this moment... On one hand, there is no denying that U.S. government is willing to spread or to participate for any other major crisis by under or by using the slogan called democracy or try to, to be champion of democracy to the world. But meanwhile, as you mentioned before, if I want to be the champion for democracy, but I need to make clear about my intention not to make the citizens of the world suffer or not to make any parts of the citizens to mis to be miserable. So again, but on the other hand, today people seem to continue to buy into the idea that whatever the policy U.S. carries out or whatever the slogan or models that U.S. carries out, it must be workable or it must be practical or realistic. But you know, again, Mr. Jeffrey, in reality, it doesn't happen all the time. So going back to the question, when you tweet that black nationhood matters, what is the message and what is the, the, the core value of this tweet? Okay, so we often observe uh, when it comes to international politics that the way the rules are applied uh, for nations that are under the control of Europeans, mm. for instance, um, they are not applied in the same manner when it is a nation dominated by Africans. Mm. Okay. And, you know, someone like Nelson Mandela, who people are often quoting, uh, once said that uh, things like the United Nations, um, these institutions are often manipulated to the detriment of the most impoverished people of the world. 
um, this is the reality of of of, of Haiti. Okay, mm-hmm. Haiti was created as an oasis. Um, you know, people now associate Haitians with you know boat people. Mm-hmm. They say boat people. You know, uh, because of course a lot of the impoverished. Uh, uh, people from the Caribbean, including Haiti, leave that island to try to migrate North America. Mm. But what we need to know is that the boats used to travel in the other direction. And in fact, some of my own ancestors were formerly enslaved in the United States Mm. and they found freedom in Haiti. Okay, Because when Haiti created itself out of that revolt uh, against the British the Spanish and the French, and the surviving Africans created that nation, okay? It was the only place in the Americas where Africans could live under their own rule as free men and women. Mm. And so people were migrating towards Haiti, okay? So now that nation from inception was attacked systematically, okay, by a coalition of white nations. Mm. I give the example, for instance, of the French, okay, which collected a ransom from 1825 to 1947 as compensation because the white Frenchmen, who were the enslavers, claimed to have lost their property. That is my ancestors. Mm. And so they collected that ransom. This is the equivalent of 150 billion dollars okay now this is while the industrial revolution was taking place Mm. that's when everybody else was building their cities okay so when people go to haiti today and they see that poverty and that they don't see a tunnel in the whole island well there's a reason for that because the country was being ransomed and that ransom was not collected only by the french because when the americans invaded it was American government that collected the money from the resources of the country through U.S. banks and French banks and German banks. Again, I encourage people to go on my website, jafrikaiti.com, mm. and they will see throughout the 19th and the 20th century, on a regular basis, they practice something called gunboat diplomacy. Mm. Gunboat diplomacy means that the Germans show up at the arbor of Port-au-Prince, the capital of Haiti, and they claim that there is one of their natives uh, who was a businessman in, in the city uh, who had, you know, was victim of uh, uh, social unrest uh, and, and his, his business was ransacked. And therefore, the German government point their uh, guns towards the national palace and they demand a ransom of whatever amount that comes in their minds from the Haitian state, or they're going to blow up the national palace. Mm. This happens in January. Two months later, uh, the French show up. They do the same. A few months later, the Spanish show up. They do the same. Okay. So in other words, there is evidence that what we call, because, it, you know, when Haiti took its independence in 1804, the French foreign minister, uh, uh, Prince Talleyrand, wrote to James Madison, who was then Secretary of State, mm. uh, before he became President of mm. the United States. And he said, the existence of a Negro people in arms is a terrible threat for all white nations. And in response, 
Okay, the United States imposed an embargo on Haiti. That is all the way back in 1805. Mm. To tell you that this idea of white cousins coming together to suppress the people of Haiti is not something that paranoid black people are inventing. Mm. Okay, it is something that we can document through history, but not just history because it's not just the past. Today, like I said, in 2004, it was white cousins, white men and women who met right here where I live in Ottawa, mm. who decided that they're going to overthrow the president of Haiti, the man who was investing in healthcare and education. Okay? And less than a year later, they entered the residence of the president, kidnapped him and his wife, mm. and took him to Africa, which is also symbolic. Mm. Okay? <laughs> you realize the distance between Haiti and Africa? Why did they take him to Africa? Okay? Mm. So, when I say black nationhood matters, what it means is that we need to be a little bit more imaginative mm. as human beings on this planet. Mm. Okay? For the past 600 years and more, okay, the, what we're calling the West, whether it is Europeans in general, okay, whether in Europe or in North America, have been living off the blood and sweat of other people. That's right. In particular, Africans. In particular, Africans. Many people have forgotten that in 2001, uh, in September 2001, there was a very important meeting happening in Durban, South Africa. The theme of that meeting was reparations. Okay? Because it's clearer. You don't need to do rocket science to understand that this thing that they're calling foreign aid does not develop any any country mm. or, or aid or development, uh, you know, development aid. This is crap, okay? You steal from me one dollar and you send one cent to me. That's not aid. Mm. You steal a thief, okay? That's so the right. Africans understand quite clearly what's happening on the planet today. There are many resources on the African continent that are essential for the electronic world that in which we live, okay? But it, it serves the people of the Congo nothing that the abundance of culture that they have in their country is under uh, uh, their territory. If it's the French, it's the Americans, it's the Canadians, it's, it's, the Amer it's everybody else who is taking that culture and the people of the Congo are living in abject poverty. Mm. We need to be a little bit more imaginative to think that, okay, maybe there is another way we can share the resources of the planet. And that's what the Durban conference was about. That is to tell the Europeans, and at the time, all of these countries had surplus budgets. Mm. I remember I was living right here in Canada. I was part of the government of Canada. So mm. I know that they had the money. Mm. They could have paid reparations back in 2001. Instead, a few days later, we had the attack uh, in New York, uh, and all of a sudden, the Americans were the victims, and then we, we all went into a different mode of thinking that, okay, yeah, they think they can sustain the current world disorder. Mm. What we're seeing right now is that it's in disarray on the African continent, it's in disarray in Latin America because the native peoples, whether it is in the Americas or in Africa, are saying no more. Mm. Okay? No more. 
And, 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 and many Americans are realizing right now that countries are not rich or poor. Okay. Individuals are living in enriched environments or impoverished environments. Okay. And, and, and I say this in particular for my African American brothers and sisters who may be watching this. Okay. Because, you know, as we have those crises, people are leaving those rich territories, whether it is on the African continent or in the Caribbean, trying to seek life elsewhere. And they're dying. They're dying in the Atlantic Ocean. They're dying in the Mediterranean, just like their ancestors have been dying for the past, you know, 600 years. Okay. Now, this is uh, um, something that should make the totality of the human a, a family ashamed, okay? That is, you know, we've been practicing racial slavery all of these centuries, and in 2023, when you look at the bottom of the Mediterranean, at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean, you're still seeing black bodies. Mm. That means we haven't changed. That's right. We haven't evolved. That's right. We're still barbaric, okay? And so this is what needs to change. And in order for it to change, it will take people like Kamala Harris to understand her role. Because mm. her role is no different than some of our ancestors who were allowed in the big white house, okay, serving the master. While our mothers, our fathers, our brothers and sisters were, okay, in the field, you know, in chain, you know, working the cotton, working uh, uh, the sugar cane for the white man. So Kamala Harris needs to realize she's a black woman, mm. okay? And when Haitians are leaving Haiti to go to the United States and they're dying under that Texas bridge, okay, and they're calling for help, and you have this white man on a horse sending, you know, uh, a, a rope. In 2021, that happened, okay, to catch who? Mm. Kamala Harris's cousin. Mm. She may not recognize her cousin, but I do DNA research. Mm. Okay. When the boats were coming, some of them landed in, in the America's mainland. That's some right. of them landed in Jamaica. Some of them landed in Cuba. Some of them landed in Haiti. It's the same families that they were dropping. Mm. Okay. We are Yoruba. We are Eve. We are Fungbe. Okay. They may have carved Africa and called us all kinds of different names. But we know we, who we are. Mm. I may not speak Lingala or Kiswahili, but I know I am an African. Mm. And so, you know, when you have people like Kamala Harris and now they're using all kinds of uh, black uh, American um, um, people in, in, in government to be the face of the invasion in Haiti. Why are they doing that? Because they, they got away with it in the past. Okay, so the, 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 the latest is that they're going to recruit soldiers from Kenya to stand as the military force in Haiti. As if by using black soldiers, it will become less evident that the purpose of the invasion of Haiti is to protect the 15 white mafia families. Mm. Okay, this is not new. Mm. Okay, they've always used black soldiers in the front. 
Okay, they use that even in Europe to liberate the cities like Paris, like uh, uh, cities in Italy. Okay, les tirailleurs sénégalais. Okay, so these black soldiers that I call mercenaries, they better get their act together mm. because the U.S. will not hesitate to send them to die because, like I said, those gangs in Haiti are actually under the control of the United States. Mm. And if to, to illustrate, just last week, a number of Haitians uh, who were being terrorized by these paramilitaries took all of their stuff and went in front of the U.S. Embassy. Mm. Why did they choose the U.S. Embassy? Because the U.S. Embassy is right across from the gangs. Mm. Okay? You remember how uh, at the end of 2021... December 17th, 2021. They claimed that there were 17 white missionaries, white Americans, and one Canadian, 16 Americans, one Canadian, who were kidnapped by the gangs. That's right. I remember that. Okay. Do you remember that when they came out, CNN, BBC, Radio Canada, all of them were giving microphone to the leaders of these missionaries who, with all the seriousness in the world, were explaining how they were guided by the North Star and Jesus came and saved them. Mm. They were very serious saying that. Mm. And do you know why Haitians didn't find that funny? Mm -mm. Because during that same period of time, we Haitians had family members who were kidnapped and killed by those same paramilitaries. Mm. And, and, and these so-called missionaries, when they did their uh, press uh, conference, uh, they were talking about how the kidnappers treated them well. They even served them special Thanksgiving meals. That's right. That's because they were never kidnapped. Mm. Okay? Mm. Mr. They Jeffrey. were never kidnapped. Okay, this was a setup. Mm. This was a setup because the gang that they're talking about, Katsama, was is right across from the U.S. embassy. It's at walking distance. You mean to tell me that the United States of America, okay, one of the most powerful countries in the world, that has this embassy in Haiti, which is the fourth largest in the world, which of course is equipped with drones. We remember how not so long ago uh, the German. Uh, uh, Chancellor was uh, uh, complaining the fact that at the U.S. Embassy in Berlin, the Americans were spying on Angela Merkel. Mm. Now imagine that the Americans are using their uh, cameras to spy on their ally mm. in Germany. And now they have 17 of their uh, 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 citizens kidnapped by a ragtag gang in Haiti, right across from their embassy, and weeks after weeks, they did nothing to release these people. It, it, it had to be white Jesus who somehow showed up and released these uh, these uh, missionaries. Okay, that that was, you know, third rate cinema, mm. ridiculous and barbaric. Because, like I said, we know real people who were kidnapped and killed. That's right. By those things. So it's not funny what they were doing, okay? They, they were doing this as a psychological operation, okay, to prepare people with the idea that, oh, there are gangs that are killing people, or oh, they're even killing babies. White babies were in danger 
Now we need to intervene. <laughs> this is ridiculous. It's, okay? I mean, again, All Mr. it would take. I mean, again, Mr. Jeffrey, it sounds to me, or it also sounds to us, this is a political setup. I mean, again, as we see the truth, and also based on the factual information started to come out, I want to ask the last question and also wrap up our conversation, Mr. Jeffrey, is, is it time for the Haitians to be unified, to speak up, and stop or even to reject the intervention from the U.S. So in other words, that we need to understand, or even the world needs to understand, that Haitians deserve a better country. And also Haitians could actually, can put the election back in the, on the right track. Again, this country is capable the people are strong. Of course, given the fact that today, then no nation is perfect, and we got that. But the truth is, it's time for U.S. to leave, or for Canada, again, as something you mentioned before, stop interfering in the governance of native Haiti from Canada, from U.S., for any other countries. Now, is it time for the world to get the message, or is it time for U.S. to get the message? If so, how do you think we should do it? The message in terms of uh, the Haitian population has been quite clearly articulated. Okay, mm. I'll tell you one of the things, Will, that uh, encouraged me to come to your show is that it has been my observation that in the mainstream media, when they are discussing the crisis in Palestine, mm. they invite a Palestinian, they invite an Israeli, and they talk about it. But oftentimes, to talk about the situation in Haiti, you'll see some white guys show up. That's right. As the director of some NGO who is supposedly the expert on Haiti. That's right. The expert on the Congo, the expert on Zimbabwe. This is ridiculous. Okay? I can name you a number of men and women of Haitian origin who can articulate way better than me. Mm. <laughs> okay, what I just said. So it's not that we don't exist and mm. it's not that they don't know where to find us. That's okay? right. It's, it's because they don't want to hear the message. That's right. So to me, the important thing is not what Haitians think because right now our country is in a state of vulnerability mm. that allows the foreign vultures to impose themselves and it doesn't matter in what language we tell them to get out they will not leave mm. just like they never left during mm. the time of racial slavery we mm. had to fight them to kick them out okay so my message is more about the citizens of the united states in mm. particular the black citizens of the united states the citizens of countries in africa the citizens of canada and so that's why back on October 11 uh, uh, of last year, 2022, I issued a public call on all Africans, mm. especially the soldiers, in whatever military that they may be enrolled, whether it is in the U.S. Army, uh, the Canadian Army, mm. the French Army, mm. uh, the Army of Kenya, to refuse categorically mm. to attack Haiti. Because mm. Haiti is not just a country. 
it is our black nation. That's right. Okay? And therefore, there's nothing more sacred to our people than the sanctity of that land that we need to save that territory so that if nowhere else in the Americas, there will be this island where black men and women can live in peace, mm. in brotherhood. Mm. And therefore, any African who participates in the military attack of Haiti is a traitor. That's right. And will be treated as such, not only in this generation, but in generations to come. Mm. And so we're not asking anything of anybody else. Okay? Uh, it needs to be understood that they better mind their business. Africans will not always be subdued and quiet and peaceful. We have been too peaceful for too long. Mm. And that's why people have misunderstood our natural nature for weakness. Mm. Okay? We understand quite well that most of the territories of the earth were inhabited by black people. Mm. And that today, there are very few of us in many parts of the world. And we know how it happened. We were wiped out. That's right. That's right. Okay. Well, Mr. So we Jeffrey, understand that. I mean, again, I 100% agree with you, especially the the last part is, it's time for some nations to understand that mind your own business. Because again, domestically speaking, it's better that you take off your own mess before putting your finger in every single pie. So in other words, that's some of the arguments that our previous guests argued before is if you can take care of you uh, take care of your own chaos try not to create additional burden or additional mess for any other countries i mean again mr jeffrey if i have the time i love to have this conversation for three hours because this is a very <laughs> very enlightening and of, of course i mean that's why i mentioned to our audience it's my honor to have someone like you to tell us and share with us the truth. Again, ladies and gentlemen, it's my great honor to speak to Mr. Jeffrey. Again, Mr. Jeffrey is an auto, um, Ottawa-based author and a radio host and a social justice activist. And again, he uh, is very active on social media. I strongly encourage everyone to connect with him and also check out his blog. And of course, to understand the truth about the information, not just from the mainstream media, but actually the truth that the mainstream media refuse to report. Well, again, Mr. Jeffrey, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure, and I'd love to have you back on the show. Um, trust me, this is not the first conversation, and this not won't be this won't be the last conversation. Again, as we continue to pay attention to Haiti, we we'll welcome you to appear on the show for many, many episodes. So thank you so much for doing this.